Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Worry, she often reminds her patients, is a kind of creativity. Fear is an act of the imagination. Karen Thompson Walker, The Dreamers. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by my husband, friend, audiobook listener, and fellow basketball enthusiast, Jordan Jones. The NCAA tournament may have been canceled, a true tragedy in the Jones house, but we're still debating The Bookshelf's bestsellers in our annual March Madness episode. We hope our conversation brings a little light and levity to what's been a stressful couple of weeks. Hey, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Good. So fun to have you back. It's fun to be back. It's so easy to schedule with you. It is. <laughs> well, now well, the session's over. I was is. about to say, kind of. Now that the Florida legislative session is, as we record this, coming to a close, it was kind of easy to, <laughs> to yeah. get you scheduled because we yeah. live together. So that helps. So Olivia graciously put together... Uh, 16, I believe, of the bookshelf's bestsellers of 2020. So these are the books that we have sold the most of thus far, quantity-wise. And she paired them up. So these pairings, we can blame Olivia for. (laughs) And she has paired some that are going to be really hard for me to choose from. But she's paired them up. We, as usual, as is tradition, will debate these books and kind of narrow down to a number one title. Um, How are you feeling with no actual basketball games to compare this to? Well, as Jan Levinson from The Office would say, not too good. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. The NCAA tournament has been canceled, and I was looking forward to coming on here and putting on a happy face. And then when I saw the email that said NCAA March Madness, I let me just tell you, it's taking a lot for me to push through this and put on a happy face. Um, So this is very sacrificial of me, but I'm here and I'm doing it. (laughs) Jordan was appalled that we were still doing this episode. (laughs) I told him yesterday, I said, are you going to be ready to record tomorrow? And he was like, we've still got to do that. (laughs) I just couldn't believe it's just, you know, it's like, it's just a tragedy. We press on at the bookshelf. Yeah, I know. I I know that. I I see that. I see that a lot. We move forward. Look, I told Olivia this. So this was what was very funny to me is Thursday, last Thursday was a hard day. Look, the past... several weeks, I think, have been hard for a lot of people. And so I know the canceling of March Madness feels relatively minor. But last Thursday, I had had to, I had to make the decision to kind of cancel our reader retreat, you know, having to make decisions as a business owner. And they were hard decisions to make, but I made them and our staff really pulled through. And then I think at like four in the afternoon, I got a notification on my phone that the NCAA tournament was canceled. And that is when I lost it. Like, mm. Yeah, it's hard. I, I was it's able hard. to power through on everything. And Olivia told me that she had two different people text her, uh, not me. They texted her out of concern for the Jones household <laughs> and how we were handling this. 
Um, and that is not misplaced. <laughs> that, is, that concern is not misplaced. Yeah, we, um, we're having to really adjust. We're not quite sure what to fill our month with now. Yeah, but you, you, you work and work and work 11 months out of the year, <laughs> confident that March Madness is right around the corner, and then it's taken from you. Yeah. So anyway, um, all uh, joking or most joking aside, we are ready to debate these titles. Let's get started. All right. Okay, so first up. Where the Crawdads Sing versus Educated. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I will say that I bet Where the Crawdads Sing is the number one seed. I bet you're right. Uh, we have sold, we're actually currently as a staff, it's a real, having no March Madness is a real morale problem because we normally compete as a staff. And so right. now it's almost like we're desperate to compete in other ways. So we have. We, <laughs> that sounds like a, a United States problem. <laughs> we have bets going to see which staffer can predict the closest date on which we will have sold a thousand copies oh, of Where the Crawdads Sing. Wow. So we're getting very close. So I, that's why I think this is probably a number one seed, um, just because of sheer quantity. Quantity is sold. I do think it's a very interesting matchup. I would like to speculate aloud why I think okay. Olivia did this. All right. So I think it's because truly there are some similar themes here. Um, we have the main character in Where the Crawdads Sing, Kaya, who pretty much raises herself. Uh, mm. She is alone in the marsh marshes of North Carolina. And then the main character, the, the protagonist of Tara Westover's memoir, Educated, is Tara Westover mm. herself having to essentially, right, educate herself and right. raise herself. So I think that's where, I think that's probably why Olivia paired these two together. That makes sense. Uh, one is fiction and one is nonfiction. I think most people will understand. I mean, obviously we have a loyalty. I have a loyalty to where the crowd sings simply because Delia Owens is originally from Thomasville. Right. But I personally prefer the upset here as literary pieces as works of literature go, I actually think Educated, for me, is the book I prefer. Yeah, I was going to vote for Educated myself, but I I knew coming into this, I mean, I think Where the Crawdads Sing is the number one seed, and it's it's on home court. Yeah. Because this is a yes. Thomasville. So so educated comes into the arena. It's very loud. It's very intimidating. I do think the upset's possible though. And I'd be willing to, I mean, as as a as a person who was homeschooled, <laughs> um, you know, my homeschool experience was very different than than the situation in educated. But but I think I should hope my so. mother-in-law, your mom, actually recommended educated to me. Because of that. I am stunned. Actually, you just gave me information I did not know. I really thought you had listened to this on audiobook. It's such a good audiobook. Well, I I, I did start it. Oh. <laughs> and this and, and therein lies, you know, I have to make a confession. I, I do listen to quite a few audiobooks compared to most people, but um compared to my wife's reading, mine is woefully inadequate. Um <laughs> I, I probably when session's not in, I, I do about one audiobook a month. That's good. I've so, said before on the podcast, I think a book a month is a really admirable goal, especially when you work a lot. Like, yeah. I think one book a month is good. Um, I really do think you should move Educated up on your post-session list, though, because the, narr okay. the narration is great. And I do think you would find her story to be wildly inspiring and compelling. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so we're going to move Educated forward. That sounds good. Okay. Upset. Next, and this is going to be interesting to debate given, given the times we are currently living in. We've got The mm, Dreamers. Yep. Uh, written by Karen Thompson Walker versus The Other's Gold 
so the the other's gold is kind of a campus novel. It at least starts on a campus. It's a novel of friendship about these four young women. We get to see them grow up and into adulthood, which I always find to be really compelling. Then The Dreamers is a totally different kind of book. I am curious. I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm trying to get inside Olivia's head to figure out why these two were paired together. The Dreamers is so different. It's more almost post-apocalyptic, which I think is what Karen uh, Thompson Walker does best. Um, you've got these college students in a, uh, no, I was about to say sleepy college town, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> you've got this small little town where a bunch of college students have recently just started falling asleep and not waking up. And there's something happening in the community and it's contagious. And so the entire community starts kind of falling asleep and people cannot figure out what's wrong or if they will wake up again. So the no- the novel is really filled with kind of this quiet uh underlying dread. Uh, but it's the dreamers versus the other's gold. What do you think here? Well, I am fascinated with dreams and sleep and everything related to that. I love the movie Inception. And, and I think the plot of the dreamers is interesting to me because of that. Yeah. Because, because of how now we're looking at it kind of through the lens of a virus. And then right. like you said, timely for, for coronavirus. So that would be my... I would be inclined towards that one, but I don't feel as strongly about this one as I may on some of the other ones. I think this is close. Uh, for me, I found, so in, and okay, wait, now that I'm talking, I do think maybe I'm seeing Olivia's point. Uh, I picked both of these as a shelf subscription title. Oh. Uh, but I think for the sake of this contest and this competition, I would also move the dreamers forward because it is so propulsively... It just moves forward at such a lightning pace. The Other's Gold is a lot um, more quiet of a novel, which I do like. Everybody knows um, we talk about all the time on this podcast and in the store, plot-driven versus character-driven books. The Other's Gold is definitely a Mm character-driven book, which is honestly normally my preference. But I loved The Dreamers. I thought the plot was really original and interesting. Much like Station Eleven, the background of this book is certainly kind of this post-apocalyptic narrative, but that's not really what the book is about. It's really how people respond. It's not so much what's actually happening to these people. It's really how they respond to it. Um, Now, would I recommend The Dreamers for reading today? Uh, it depends what you're really interested in. Yeah, it depends on how uh, (laughs) thick-skinned you are That's exactly right. Uh, But I think down the road, uh, you should pick up uh, The Dreamers. I don't know if it's the book you should pick up today. It is the book I would like to move forward in the competition. That sounds good. If you're an Enneagram 7, go for it. <laughs> yes, you probably are. not worried about anything. It. Yeah, okay. Okay, next up. This is hard. This is the Nickel this Boys. This is hard. <laughs> versus this is, Furious Hours. This is those two teams in the NCAA tournament that got horrible draws against each other. Both of them is surging, but it's like that 5-12 and you don't know what to advance, Ooh. in my opinion. Oh, I think that could be true. I would put Nickel Boys higher than a 5 seed, but I think you're right. If we were looking at a bracket right now, this would be one that would be really hard to predict now. I can easily tell you my preference, but it is hard. Like, I like both of these books. So Nickel Boys, fiction by Colson Whitehead, still felt like it was deserving of all the (laughs) awards Mm. last year. And partly I think it's because I do have this personal connection to it. Um, It is a novel based on the Dozier School for Boys, uh, which is in Mariana, Florida, near where I grew up in Tallahassee. As a college grad, did a ton of kind of research, I, I use that term loosely, lay, layperson's research mm-hmm. uh, into the Dozier School. I read all the articles I could about it. And then Furious Hours, of course, is the nonfiction look uh, by Casey Sepp at the Case Harper Lee 
kind of was looking at for her next book, her book after To Kill a Mockingbird. Interestingly, set in your neck of the mm-hmm. woods, uh, where you're near where your grandparents live in um, Equality, Alabama. So uh, these both have Southern settings. I think the writing in both of these books is outstanding. I cannot wait to see what Casey Sepp does next. We've talked about her before on the podcast because she has such an interesting background. I think she got like a degree maybe in like theology or religious studies or something from Oxford, um, Oxford overseas, not Oxford, <laughs> Mississippi, <laughs> not all this. Uh, but anyway, I would, I cannot wait to see what she reads next. For me personally, it's gotta be the nickel boys. That That's interesting. I, I'm willing to go along with that. I, I do want to say a couple of things about Furious Hours because it is one of my favorite books that I've read in the past couple of years when we were we were listening to it on audio uh, as we were going to visit my family in Alabama and it was astonishing to me because every time the the book would talk about a place we would be going right through it you yes, know it would talk it about nuts. like a certain bridge and i'd be like hey we're we're on the bridge right now and you know in case you you don't know anything about this book it's basically you know it was a it was a crime story that yes, Harper Lee book, really. was researching that she ended up not publishing. And it goes into not only that, which is fascinating, fascinating with Alabama politics and and everything that you would expect in a true crime thriller, but also what astonished me was how it looked at Harper Lee. And, you know, she's considered to be kind of a one-hit wonder uh, among some people, and you could argue one way or the other. But um, after she wrote um, to Kill a Mockingbird, and she never really had that next hit that everyone was expecting, this should have been it. Mm-hmm. But what was astonishing to me is the fact that she gathered all of this information in order to write this hit and then decided that she didn't have enough to credibly move forward with the story. And so she decided to lay it down because she felt like she didn't have enough. And I thought it was an unbelievable example of kind of writer's humility and writer's and integrity, ethics. I think. Yeah, yeah ethics. To, to say, I would, you know, she could have easily just filled in the gaps and made some stuff up. But instead she said, I don't have enough. And uh, th- this book is a great exploration of all of that. And it brought so much in with the, ha- with the uh, Alabama, stuff in Alabama. And then also, if you're a Harper Lee fan, it's a must read. So I'm, I'm willing to advance Nickel Boys. That's a big, that's a big time story that, that needs to be told. So I'm willing to do that. But I, I would very much recommend Furious Hours. Yeah. And it, that is a tough call. Okay. Next up, we've got I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpott versus When You Read This by Mary Adkins. So this one is an interesting pairing because it actually... I mean, full disclosure, you read so many books in a year, you you start to not remember what book is what. And I, it took me a second to remember when you read this was a delightful little book told it's an epistolary novel. So it's kind of about a, someone who dies and then their sibling is left to kind of... Uh, figure out why and what happened and the grieving process, as well as in the person's, the young woman's coworker. And so you've got these two people kind of connecting over grief. And the novel is told in letters and emails and text messages and charts and graphs. So it's really kind of a visually appealing book too. And then I Miss You When I Blink is, of course, the uh, memoir that is, I think, 
a type A person's Bible essentially yeah, <laughs> to help yeah. us to help us navigate um, our brains uh, in a really humor filled humor filled way. So we've got I miss you when I blink versus when you read this. What's your preference? I know mine. I think I would give the nod to I miss you when I blink. Um, partly because I really enjoyed Mary Laura Philpot when she came to the to read a retreat. She was oh, delightful. Yes. Really enjoyed her talk. Uh, and also, you know, you and I are both type A's. I know. Um, I want so badly to not be, which I think is a true mark of a type A. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I but, want but, so but, badly to be considered laid back. But, but let's be honest. Most of the people that say that, if you, if I said, okay, here's what you have to do tomorrow in order to be laid back. You know, you have to work less. You know, you have to take it easy. I think most of us would say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I want to be productive. I don't want to be lazy. Oh, no, I would say, yeah, let me do that. That sounds delightful. But it would be hard. <laughs> but it would be hard for me to do. Right, it would be going against your nature. Yes, yeah, it'd be hard yeah. for me to do. But yeah. I think in my heart of hearts, I'm like, oh, relaxing. That's wouldn't so that fun. be nice? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I do think this is an interesting. I don't know. I'm an Enneagram three, and we always are striving and striving and striving and trying to achieve. And the idea is, if we if we can become successful enough then we won't have that need anymore. And it, and it's a false, it's a false hope. So, it's always going to be out there unless, unless you can learn to be content with your salary right now, your job right now, your family right now, all of that, then it's, it's a fiction to think that something that you're going to get is going to make you content. And I think that's part of what this book is going at. I actually think, you know, for whatever reason, sometimes I think books become gendered. And so you have a whole population of people that then don't read that book. And I think uh, if I had to guess, I would say most of the copies of I Miss You and I Blink that we have sold have been to women. And I think it's a real shame because I recall, gosh, when I read this, now it feels like many moons ago because I read it in advanced reader copy format. I read part of it aloud to you and you died laughing. I mean, (laughs) because it is so funny and it's such an insight into into my brain, I feel mm-hmm. like. I mean, it really did. I think it's kind of you. It was the book that made me feel so known, um, even down to something silly like growing up, I used to, like after I would wash my face, like, right, I would use a cotton ball. And if I threw the cotton ball into the trash can and made it, it was like, oh, I'm going to have a great day mm-hmm. today. If I missed it, it was not that I was going to have a bad day, but just like, oh, bummer. I started the day with a loss. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's self, it's, it's, it's American <laughs> self-determination. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And that's what a lot of us are ingrained with. Yeah. And then it's also the consequences of that, right? Like she writes really, yep. I think really well about there are downsides to that, to those actions. Yep. So, okay. So I miss you and I blink versus when you read this, I am for sure going to move forward. I miss you when I blink. I agree. Okay. We're going to have to move faster here right. toward the la- latter part of this. Uh, All This Could Be Yours versus The Dutch House. All This Could Be Yours is a book by Jamie Attenberg set in New Orleans. It's got this really rich setting, which may be why Olivia paired the two together. And then The Dutch House is, of course, the Ann Patchett novel um, about a sibling, a pair of siblings whose home is kind of taken from them in childhood, and they spend kind of their adulthood mourning that loss. I'm going to go with The Dutch House. That's my leaning. I'm fine with that. I I do I do think it's fascinating, the premise behind all this could be yours, looking at a very hateful individual and thinking, okay, how do I react? Oh, it is for that? sure. It um, is for sure Succession. It is. So the, the TV show Succession? Yes, it oh, is. What a great show. It is for sure 
first fans of succession, all this could be yours is really That's asking. A good plug. Well, yeah. it, well, it's asking, you know, what happens when your family patriarch is terrible? Mm, and right. and how do the different people in your family respond to that? It's a really great right. book. It's that's a really great show. I'm fine, I'm, but I'm fine with advancing the Dutch house. Yeah, I think the Dutch house takes the win there. Um, I think, to be fair, I do think, like, in terms of a basketball game, it would be one of those um, games that would come down to the buzzer, mm. surprisingly. Like, I think okay. everybody would assume yeah. the Dutch house would be like um, Gonzaga. Yeah. And you assume they're going to win, and then they almost lose, but then they win. It's like a three and a 14. Yeah. And it comes down to the last minute, and the three yeah. the three lives to fight another That's game. exactly right. All right. Okay. Evie Drake starts over versus the Lager Queen of Minnesota. Olivia, if you're listening, I do not like this pairing because this is too hard. <laughs> Why is it hard? Um, So both of these books are really in my sweet spot of lovable, uh, lovable light novels that aren't too light. Like Mm. this is, I like, I appreciate a light and fluffy book. These books are not fluffy. They have substance. They have depth. They have nuance, but they're also extremely readable. The characters are really likable, which I do not always read books with likable characters, but the people in these books I really loved. Every Drake Starts Over uh, features a Ted Danson type character who has hit a slump in his baseball career. He winds up renting um, a room from a young woman who has just lost her husband, but her husband was a terrible person. So Evie is this really complicated character because she's a widow who everybody assumes is really in the throes of grief. And she is deeply grieved, but also her husband was truly terrible Mm. to her. And so- She's trying to find love again, I guess, and trying to, but it's it's also more than just romantic love. She's trying to kind of figure out who she is. It's a really great book. Uh, the author is Linda Holmes, who hosts Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR. Uh, and then The Logger Queen of Minnesota is the second book by J. Ryan Stradell. It is a delightful ode to the Midwest, just like his first book, Kitchens of the Great Midwest. And I infamously said about this book that uh, I'm a teetotaler from the South. And this made me want to move to Minnesota and start drinking beer. (laughs) That's a lot. Jordan finds layers. You would appreciate this book so much because it's all about how beer is brewed. It's these different, this family of women Mm. brewers. It's delightful, truly. I think you would love this book. Yeah. One of the things that I think is an interesting topic about this book, and I have not read it, but I think I may now, um, is this idea about vocational Education, And this is something that right now, I know that the Florida legislature is talking about it, and I've thought about it for years. We've got burgeoning college debt, people with degrees that they don't know what to do with and that aren't very useful. Um, And what what if you forewent that in favor of learning how to do something, you know, whether that be fixing a toilet or or doing something kind of blue collarish, and I think that's an interesting topic. To, working with your hands. You're working with your hands. And this is a, this is neat to me because it's um, in part a generational story, which yes, I always, yes. uh, as somebody whose family generations are really important to her, I really love this book. Ugh, okay, um, gosh, I'm gonna move forward. What do you? How about you decide on this? I, one? I, I think I think it's gonna be the Lager Queen of Minnesota because of free throws late. <laughs> In the second half, clinching <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Two free throws, game's over. Okay, fair, fair. All right, next, Ask Again Yes versus Daisy Jones and the Six. This is another miserable pairing. Yeah. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, selection <laughs> committee. Uh, so Ask Again Yes is this complicated, dysfunctional family story, uh, very much in the realms of Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. Uh, the, these two families grow up side by side in a neighborhood. There's this really tragic, inciting incident, and we find out then what happens to the family in the aftermath. 
Daisy Jones and the Six is this fictional oral history um, that is so well done that everyone I know, even my cousin, Ashley, who just read Daisy Jones and the Six, and it's been out for over a year, she texted me while reading it, is this band for real? Because it feels so real. You think the band is real. No matter the fact that you know in your heart it's (laughs) fictional, you think this band is real. It's not. That's good writing. Oh, it's such good writing. So Daisy Jones and the Six, uh, kind of the Stevie Nicks-esque oral history versus Ask Again, Yes. Oh, this is brutal because these books are so different from each other. Yeah. I don't have as, as big of an opinion on this one as as you might. Okay. So I would, I would Here's what I'm going to say. I think Ask Again, Yes is the better book, literarily speaking. Mm. But Literarily. Is that a, a word? a good word. Yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. It's like I think it Just sounds add good. I-O-Y to any word and make <laughs> it, uh, make it a, an adverb. Yeah, so I think it is the better book. But I think Daisy Jones would be the lower seed that would pull up, pull up oh, the upset. Oh, okay. And it is, to me, one of the most unique books on this list. Yeah. So I am going to reward it for its originality and say Daisy Jones and the That's Six. That's fair. Behind, this feels like an upset. Behind excellent three-point shooting, Daisy Jones and the Six is the 12 seed. Yeah, because if I'm ranking these. to the round of 32. Yeah, if I'm ranking these books, ask again, yes. Yeah. It comes ahead, but but I think for the sake of March Madness, interesting, Daisy yep. Jones. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Last pairing, and then we're gonna move through Stars of Alabama. This is the Sean Dietrich. It's his first yeah. novel versus The Dearly Beloved, which Olivia, why why these this last three hard. pairings? These are this so one's hard. hard. I, I I love Sean Dietrich. I think I think he's absolutely hilarious. We went to an event in Tallahassee called Word of South. A couple of years back where where we got to hear him speak and he had me absolutely laughing out loud because he's so very humble but he he makes fun of himself and he told this story about drinking too much as he calls calls it (laughs) coca-cola and wetting his pants as a little kid and it had me absolutely laughing i was rolling and then on his books he used to have you know quotes you know critically acclaimed it would say you know sean d quote sean dietrich is an amazing young man you know uh dash Sean Dietrich's mom. You know, it was like all of these very, very self-effacing. Yeah. Yes. And, and so I, I think he's just really hilarious. And I'm also from Alabama. So it would be hard for me not to advance Stars of Alabama, but I know that The Dearly Beloved was outstanding. And I remember you telling me about that one. I was about to say, so The Dearly Beloved is another book. Not every book on this list do I think is for you, but yeah. I do think The Dearly Beloved is. I adored this book. Knox McCoy loved this book. I think okay. anybody who has complicated feelings about faith, mm-hmm. but also anybody who loves a good character-driven novel. Again, this is not a novel driven by plot. These are about, this is about two couples one of the couples is a pastor and his wife. Um, they are both deeply religious. The other one is a pastor and his atheist wife. And they wind up preaching and serving at a church together in New York in the 60s. And I believe it's the 60s. I just, I really love this book. I thought it was outstanding for a debut novel. Here's what I'll say. I want to move forward the Dearly Beloved because I think Sean Dietrich's true talent lies in memoir. Mm-hmm. And I think a year from now, yeah, I think a yeah. year from now we'll be featuring his book, Will the Story, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, mm-hmm. which is his new memoir mm-hmm. that came out this month. I think that's where he really shines. I think Stars of Alabama is good, yeah. but I think his true strength is in personal um, memoir-esque storytelling. So I'm going to move forward the dearly book. That's fine with me. Okay. Which means we've got educated versus the dreamers. Okay. What's your gut? Um, 
I think educated should, should continue too. to advance. All right, so we'll we'll advance that to the uh, il, no final, final four. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah final, final four. four. Okay, then we've got Nickel Boys versus I Miss You and I Blank. Oh, God, that's a tough one. But I think it has to be the Nickel Boys. I think boys. it has to be. Has to be I the think Nickel it has Boys. To be. Yeah. Uh, okay, then we've got the Dutch House versus the Lager Queen of Minnesota. That's a good matchup. That'd yeah. be a fun game to yeah. watch. God, every, I'm sorry. Every time I talk about it's so sad that we're not going to be watching games. I, it is. <laughs> it, it just is. all it of a sudden hit hits you me. Yet. Oh it my hit gosh. me the other day. Someone, one of the <laughs> legislative assistants came in and said, March Madness is canceled. And I said, what? <laughs> and I, and I, I it really, it's it really was sad to me. It's sad to watch our different uh, institutions struggle with this, truly, in a, in a somber note. Okay. So the Dutch House versus the Lager Queen. I'm going to say mine. Let's go on the count of three. Say what you want to advance. One, two, three. Lager Queen of Minnesota. No, I was gonna say the Dutch House. Okay, all right. Well, let's 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 hold that in abeyance and move on to the next one. Okay, and and, and we'll make a horse trade. Okay, the next one would be Daisy Jones and the Six versus the Dearly Beloved. Okay, that's got to be the Dearly Beloved. I think that's accurate. I think that's right. So, um, so I would say so. The only one that we're hung up on is Lager Queen. Why, why do you say Dutch House? I think the Dutch House. Well, I mean, this is hard, right? Because I just said, ask again, yes, is the better book, but Daisy Jones wins. The Dutch House, I think, is the slightly more you think it's unique? literary book. Oh, literary, okay. I think it's the slightly more literary book. The Lager Queen of Minnesota is slightly more accessible. Um, okay. The Dutch That's House fair. is also, the audiobook is narrated by Tom Hanks, so it's got that going for it. <laughs> so that That's not a big selling point for me as it is for, for you. I think but it's a I, selling point for anyone everywhere. But I, I, <laughs> Anyone but I mean, anywhere. I, I, I I'm willing to go with it. You you clearly feel strongly about that. So okay. we'll, we'll, we'll advance that Also, one. Tom is in quarantine right now. I feel like he needs a win. Yeah. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think Tom needs another win. I think he's won all his life. Um, and rightly so. Um, okay. Talented guy. So, so now we're down to um, educated. educated and nickel boys. Mm-hmm. So we've got educated and nickel boys uh, on the one side. Okay. And we've got Dutch house. And the dearly, dearly beloved. beloved on the other. Oof. So let's start with um, educated versus nickel, nickel boys. boys. Okay, interest. It's interesting that these two would wind up going head to head because yeah. again, I actually think there are some real similarities here. There Youth are boys. unfortunately some similarities in terms of abuses, yeah. um, generational abuses, oh, uh, yeah. systemic. Issues. I think obviously Nickel Boys is dealing more with systemic racism, um, but Educated is dealing, I think, with um, fundamentalism and the consequences mm. of that. Um, I think my heart really rests with Colson Whitehead and the Nickel Boys, so that is the one I would advance. I'm fine with that. I think that makes sense. Okay. And then we've got the Dutch House versus the Dearly Beloved, which I also think is a really good matchup because we've wound up with four titles that actually are paired pretty similarly. Yeah. So you've got the Dearly Beloved, which is a marital story, and then the Dutch House, which is a sibling story. I think I heard you talk a lot more about the Dearly Beloved than the Dutch House. Hmm, in true? fact, in fact, I'm not sure you ever talked about the Dutch House. Maybe not be... to you. Here's why. Because, because it's a story about sisters and... Oh, no. It's a brother-sister story, oh, which brother. is why I loved it so Oh, maybe much. you did talk to me about this one. Here's the reason I might not have. Because I actually think you would really like The Dearly Beloved. I don't know that you would like 
the gotcha. Dutch house. Gotcha. I try to talk to you about books oh, okay. that I want you, you to read. <laughs> okay. You, you come down to my level yes. to feed me with yes. what I can take. Yes. Okay. The, right, the Dutch fair. house, to me, to me, one of the lovely parts about the Dutch house and one of the reasons I was drawn to it, it's my favorite Ann Patchett book I've ever read. Um, but yeah. it's because it's an older sister, Maeve, and her younger brother. And I've said before on this podcast that I feel like a lot of sibling stories are about sisters. Yeah. A la Little Women. Yep. Um, there's that Little Women reference. I was trying to get one in per episode. Uh, and then, you know, you've got, you've even to some extent maybe got brother stories or frequently an older brother and a younger mm-hmm. sister. Or you, twins. Yeah. But you rarely get an elder sister. Um, and I thought Maeve was a really lovely, complicated, interesting character. That being said, the dearly beloved, I felt like had four really well-rounded characters and interestingly is a debut novel. So Mm. Carla Wall, this is her first book, which hopefully means we're only going to get better out of her. Um, It's like when Northwestern made the tournament for the first time in its history. There you go. It's like, yeah, Julia (laughs) Louis-Dreyfus, how do I not cheer for her if she doesn't win? Then her team has zero wins in the tournament. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. The dearly beloved versus the Dutch house. All right. You 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 care far more about this bottom part of the bracket than I do. I'm gonna let you make the decision there. I'm gonna move forward. The dearly beloved. Okay. That that's what I thought. That that's what seems right to me. Which um, means our final two teams in our 2020 March Madness bracket. Are the Nickel Boys? Mm-hmm. I think Nickel Boys is the two seed for sure side, because I think where the Crawdads seed was, uh, where the Crawdads sing was the number one seed. Yes. So Nickel Boys is the two seed, and then Dearly Beloved, I'm thinking is maybe around a four or something. Yeah, I think that's right. Fair. So we've got Nickel Boys versus the Dearly Beloved. Yeah. We got kind of a Duke, uh, Duke Butler situation. Mm, who's Duke here? Because that's not fair to either team. For me, personally. oh, Duke's great. <laughs> Duke is great. <laughs> Okay, North Carolina. Uh, same is, same this, problem. Uh, can, so... we'll, we'll say we'll say uh, Dayton. No, that's not fair. Well, Kansas, number two, Kansas. Okay. against uh, number four Butler for the championship. That's still unfair because I would always root for Butler in that situation. Oh, you would. But I. You never would root for the blue blood though. But I. I liked the Butler coach for so long. Kentucky. How about number two, Kentucky? <sighs> Whatever. I think I know who I want to win, which is, I think, Nickel Boys. I think that's right. Um, I think that makes sense. I think that was a book that got a ton of hype, as it should, and got a lot of recognition. And obviously, we sold a lot of copies at the, at the bookshelf. But to me, it was maybe slightly underrepresented in terms of awards praise. Mm. I felt like... And again, maybe it's my personal attachment to it, but I just thought that book was outstanding. I think Colson Whitehead is a genius. And as I've said before, he is a literal genius. He's a MacArthur uh, grant winner. I think the Nickel Boys, um, I think Nickel Boys comes out on top. Yeah. And also just for what that story means for this region. Yeah. You know, I remember I used to work as an attorney for the Department of State. And I remember this going on while yeah. I was there. Yeah. Um, it, it is a, it is truly a regional issue a regional um, disgrace a regional I, disgrace. I would say and, and, and we drive through there occasionally yeah. yeah and it's um it's really sobering it's really sobering it's really sobering especially when you had very vulnerable children yeah you know yeah the most vulnerable among us so yeah. i think nickel boys takes the win but the dearly beloved had a really great uh tournament yeah that's fair that's fair jordan and, and butler Went to the championship a couple of years and never won. Okay, so there you go. So it is accurate. accurate. We're yeah. nothing if not accurate that's in right. our assessments. That's right. Jordan, thank you so much. Thank you.
this has been a little bit of balm in my tremendous wound <laughs> from March Madness. Hopefully this gives away. everybody the March Madness pandemonium they were seeking. Uh, we'll see. Look, my prediction is next year's March Madness is going to be thrilling and wonderful <laughs> because it's like you've starved yourself for two years. <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be incredible. But this, I am grateful to be able to do something that resembles it with some good books. This week, I'm finishing Untamed, the new memoir by Glennon Doyle. But Jordan, what are you reading? So I just finished up, uh, unfortunately, for the first time, C.S. Lewis's first book in his space trilogy called Out of the Silent Planet, which is phenomenal and very timely, actually. Uh, listen to it on audiobook? Do you recommend? Listen to it on audiobook. I do. I have a book club with three other men who live across the country, and we do it on Voxer. And I highly recommend this book. It's incredible. It's all about progress and the the problems therein. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville. And all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Productions for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic. We're about to embark upon part three of Anna Karenina, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you, particularly to you online supporters and shoppers as our small business kind of navigates this coronavirus. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And we look forward to meeting back here next week.